0: Well, listening, welcome to Radio Pulpit and Radio Cape Pulpit with me, Mark Penrith, your host. Uh, today, alongside of me, I have Rocky Stevenson, my very good friend from Benoni Bible Church. Uh, we're both from the East Rand, where we serve the local church as staff and take care of the souls of men. Shout out to everyone on the east side of Johannesburg, actually to all over the country, recognizing that we are speaking to a national audience and even an international audience today. I have no doubt that folk will be following... On Facebook we often have uh, a couple of pastors in Europe uh, and beyond uh, listening in it's wonderful to have you with us this morning on the crawl on the controls this morning um pressing the buttons and making sure that the lights stay on and playing our jingle it was back this morning well done uh, we have Mpo, morning brother thanks so much for co-laboring together with us we are going to invite you to, uh, to uh, uh, join the conversation this morning And as we speak, engage along with us uh, Do send through questions and comments that you have in your mind Let me tell you what the topic under consideration today will be We are going to be looking at church discipline Church discipline holistically We're not just going to look at uh, um we we're going to look at a at a process and at a community and and at how church discipline looks and feels. We'll be doing that um, in a while, but even before we hit on the topic of church discipline together with Rocky, and I hope that we will be having Tsepo, uh, Pitts or my co-partner in crime extraordinaire uh, Darling in via Skype. But even before we get there, um, we are going to be talking to Michael Swain. Uh, From 4SA. Michael is the executive director of 4SA. He has studied law He's been successful in business. He has co-founded a church movement in South Africa Uh, and 4SA is a legal advocacy Organization working to protect and promote the constitutional rights uh, to religious freedom uh, in South Africa We we have Michael on every single week We talk about really what's happening at the coalface Of, of government um, And this morning It will be no different We're going to be talking um, Particularly about 4 submission to parliament On the impact of the COVID-19 regulations On the religious community In South Africa Michael, are you with us, brother? I hope
1: so, Mark <laughs> How are you doing? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I'm
0: fine uh, I I not uh, not not too bad Travelled through from wow. Benoni to Pretoria today And uh, you can just feel that winter is starting to set in um, It's starting to get ever so cold in the mornings and early evenings uh, You guys doing okay down there in Cape Town?
1: Yes, still lovely and sunny But also a little chill in the air But it's good to be with you Good to be with your listeners this morning
0: Well brother, obviously COVID-19 Has been the topic of the day for a year And let's go with two months Uh, I mean really it's affected all of us Everybody um, To one degree or another Um, Obviously many of us are looking to the future And considering how our lives are going to be impacted For the next five or 10 years. I know that you've been speaking to government regularly on the topic of COVID-19, specifically how that relates to the religious community in South Africa. And, uh, yeah, I I know that you've been making these submissions and was wondering, yeah, what are they all about and when will 4SA uh, make their submission before government?
1: Well, Parliament has... um committees that basically meet. These are are inter-party committees. And the Cogta Parliamentary Portfolio Committee has actually invited uh, comments or submissions on the impact on the religious community of the COVID-19 regulations. And as I think that you will be aware, as somebody who also runs a church, these have been pretty severe. And so the meetings are taking place. Unfortunately, they're not open meetings, perhaps as frequent or even as extensive as they should be because of the election year that we're now in, of course, um, and they've cut down the timing. But nevertheless, they have asked for submissions. And so uh, these take place on the 29th of April, which is Thursday next week. And we are, for I say, making submissions basically on asking COGTA, asking the committee to explain why uh, the uh, extensive and complete ban on religious gatherings was imposed on the 29th of December and also extended thereafter on the 11th of January. And we also want them to say why the regulations uh, must provide for religious workers and religious organizations to be essential workers, to be recognized as essential services. And then of course, um, the the issues also touch on the applications that we've made in the court case that we're currently uh, filing and have filed in the Johannesburg High Court. So yeah, and let me just be clear, you know forest has never ever said that covid19 is not a serious pandemic it is serious it has killed more people than we care to even think about and i think that the question here is that is whether or not we you know not that we should that we're objecting to to, to what has happened but there must be rationality behind it there must be consistency behind it you cannot simply do what we believe government has done and impose all kinds of regulations and all kinds of restrictions that fundamentally impact our constitutional rights without having some very good, solid scientific evidence to show that, that, that those moves are, in fact, justifiable.
0: Uh, Michael, I'm, I'm so glad that you're moving this conversation forward. Um because it really has affected the local church Uh, I just think of myself personally and the people that I serve and just how life is upside down and sometimes you can't give a reason and account for for some of the things that we are forced to do at the moment they they just they don't make sense and so uh, I'm glad that you are appealing to government I'm glad that you're having this conversation and I'm looking forward to hearing the outcomes uh, from it Uh, I know that you've also taken the government to court uh you've got a court case um that uh that is being heard um what's the status of that at this stage
1: well it's now at its final stages of the filing of papers legal processes involve an awful lot of back and forth um you know filing papers responding affidavits and now we're at the heads of argument stage which is basically where we will be presenting our final um legal arguments as to why we believe that the restrictions that were placed by government specifically around the time of the total lockdown earlier this year were irrational and illogical and, and disproportionate and bear in mind that you cannot government cannot limit a constitutional right unless it can show that it is reasonable and proportionate. That there is no lesser way of doing what it's done uh, to limit the right. And in a pandemic, of course it can, but then it must prove it. And we have asked and have received literally no evidence from the state to back the way that they have treated in many cases and unfairly discriminated against the religious community. It's interesting that uh, yesterday, Uh, the Department of Health published a series of recommendations that they were provided by their ministerial advisory committee, the the, the MAC. And this is the panel of experts which government supposedly relies on uh, to inform its key lockdown decisions. And the three examples that it published show that the uh, ministerial advisory committee actually Uh, said something completely different to what government actually did uh, on everything from the actual level of lockdown that was imposed, curfew times, alcohol sales, closures of beaches, opening of schools, and even public gatherings. And again, they simply seemed to ignore the advice that they received. Look, it should be said that the MAC recommended even stricter regulations and restrictions on religious gatherings over Easter. They wanted 50 indoors and 100 outdoors, and government gave us 250 and 500 But nevertheless, it is further evidence to show that governments simply are not following their own advice, not following the evidence, and that is what makes it irrational and illogical and therefore we believe illegal. So we're about to file our papers, our our heads of argument will be presented on uh, Wednesday this week, we think, and thereafter a court date will be set and we can take this thing forward. But we we need to establish legal precedents so that in the event that we face this type of situation again, which we may well then at least we have clear legal parameters and a framework so that we know where we stand
0: I'm just now curious even as you're talking and you talk about legal precedence and establishing legal precedence how long, I mean how long does this process ahead of us take? You've you've spoken about really the to and froing of, of documentation and um, just how long it actually takes to get something in court um, But but might we have legal precedents in place before the next round of um, kind of um, heavy-handed restrictions come about or does it take longer than that?
1: Well, we we sincerely hope so and that's the idea, but of course the legal wheels do turn very slowly, so we're now looking, uh, probably next month now, to have a date set down for the hearing and thereafter there will be a judge. Also, take time because the judgments obviously then deliberate and consider, and of course, that decision can then be taken on appeal either by us if we don't get what we want or by government if they don't get what they want. So, that then goes to the um, Supreme Court of Appeal, which is in Bloemfontein, and ultimately it may end up in the Constitutional Court. So, this could be some time away, okay? But nevertheless, we believe it's significant that it's in play Mm. because ultimately there will be a result, and we sincerely. Uh, believe that we have pres- presented sufficient evidence to get a positive result, which will certainly uh, curb any excesses that government might have shown during this current round of regulations, and on the, particularly on the religious community during the pandemic.
0: Michael, I'm grateful for the way that uh, you guys are conducting yourself and for the conversations that you are having. Often, that you know, regular Joe Soaps that sit at home or uh, that are involved in, you know, uh, Church, We don't have access to the kinds of people that you have access Or or the know-how to push forward the conversation in the way that you guys are doing it I'm very, very grateful to you and for the work that you guys are doing uh, I have no doubt that there will be listeners who want to find out more about issues That affect their religious freedom and work um, uh, Yeah, Where can they go in order to find out more detail about what Freedom SA is doing?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's what 4SA actually exists to do. We are really legal watchdogs. We're a legal advocacy group. And we are specifically there to oversee this whole area to keep an eye on anything that will infringe or impact or erode our religious freedoms. We are a non-profit organization. Um, We are dependent entirely upon voluntary contributions. I just like to mention that too. We have no regular income other than what's simply given to us by people. So if you want to know what we're doing, want to know more about the issues and there are many uh, that are affecting our religious freedom, please go to our website www.forsaforsa.org.za you can sign up for our free newsletter there are articles there Uh, there's a lot of information and we also have a Facebook page Freedom of Religion SA and of course you can uh, also click that important donate button we also have a YouTube channel which we're increasingly using to make it easier for people to understand in sort of like nugget size videos what's actually happening so by all means go along there And uh, we would certainly love to keep people informed because that's what we need. We need to help people understand the issues and also, most importantly, to to engage in the democratic process.
0: Michael, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Look forward to chatting to you again. Listeners, as listeners, as you are um, coming now to a period where we talk about biblical subjects, where we engage Uh, on issues of interest Uh, I have no doubt that you will want to engage, that you will want to ask questions, that you might have comments I want to tell you how you might do that. Firstly the topic that we're going to be talking on Uh, Rocky Stevenson is from Benoni Bible Church Uh, the two of us together with Tsepo Pitzel uh, when he dials in um, via Skype will be talking on the topic of church discipline and so even as we begin that process I'd be very interested to hear uh, what either your experience or exposure to church discipline is or isn't uh, what you understand of church discipline the way that you can engage with us is on our facebook page that is Radio Pulpit Radio Console. Uh, we are currently live streaming to our facebook page you're welcome to drop comments uh, underneath the stream, would love to hear where you are from and who you are, uh, so that we can give a shout out to you and get an idea of the kinds of people that are listening in. You can also engage with us on Twitter at, uh, and this is the Twitter handle at six five seven am. Uh, we are available on Twitter, uh, and then. Please do send in voice notes. It is always great to hear your voice and to hear your questions um, and to hear from the people that we are speaking to. And you can do that on WhatsApp. Uh, the telephone number is 082 657 2729. Get those voice notes rolling and looking forward to hearing from you. Rocky Yeah, just uh, it's great to have you back on the show Uh, again. Thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate you, brother.
2: Such a joy to be here, Mark, and thank you for the invite once again. And uh, welcome to all the listeners that are dialed in. It's a joy to be here.
0: Now, out of all the topics in the world that you wanted to talk about, Today, church discipline is the one that you chose. What are kind of some of the the thoughts that uh, that that inform the choice of of this topic? Why why is this topic so relevant, um, both to us as we talk and as we converse, but also to the folk that are listening in on what is going on this morning?
2: Well, Mark, I definitely don't approach this topic as an expert in it, although. May the 1st will be 11 years of pastoral ministry but I've definitely seen this subject being dealt with very badly. I myself have got regrets on in regard to some of the ways that I've dealt personally with church discipline in the past but we have God's Word that speaks to this and we have solid truth that um, speaks into the discipline that we go through and church discipline itself has gone very much out of vogue. It's not something very popular even as we think through discipline in general, it seems to have a real bad rap. Even if, as you think about self-discipline or about disciplining of your children or discipline within the church, it seems like it gets the the hairs on the back of somebody's neck standing up uh, straight. And so, this is something that I've been thinking quite a bit about. I recently read a good book on church discipline that was published a, a couple of years back in the 80s, and um, and it's it's blessed my own thinking and heart it's called beyond forgiveness and um and just thinking through the subject last time that that i came on we spoke about conflict and i thought either we do a part two on conflict there were lots of questions that came up even regarding that but it really does touch similar veins in regard to within a local church and the need that we have toward having loving restorative church discipline on display and so I've not seen it done very well many times, and church itself is very messy. That's just, a, I guess, as a form of introduction. Um, life is messy. Local church ministry is messy. You might be, as a listener, listening, going, "Yeah, that's what I thought." You know, you Christians are such hypocrites. And the good response to that is, "Well, there's always room for one more, and we we are messy, and life is messy." But it it comes at a point where you realise that sin is is a a very serious subject and holiness is a very serious subject. Our sin primarily is against God but it also is corporate and it affects one another and so this is where it comes into play in regard to the local church and church discipline there.
0: I mean we've we have we've started to use this word discipline and you've pointed out just how bad we are at self-discipline and how bad we are at disciplining our children Um, how bad we are at disciplining ourselves in in all areas of life. I I mean, I think of what we eat, I think of how we exercise. Just discipline is certainly out of vogue. You made that point, you made that point really well. What is discipline at its root biblically? Um, What is discipline?
2: It's a great desire to have an individual walk rightly with their Lord and then also walk rightly with their fellow human beings. And so it's, it has reconciliation very much at its core. Um, if you care enough for an individual, you want them to walk rightly with God, and you recognize that holiness is really the only path towards true happiness we We sometimes think happiness is found in earthly possessions or other things, but for us as Christians, we know that holiness is intricately connected to our joy and our happiness as individuals and so that's where it really rests at its core is a reconciliation between you and God, and then also a reconciliation between you and your fellow-believer. We recognize that whenever sin has been. Uh, pursued the wages of sin is death and destruction. There's a way that seems right in a man's eyes and its end is destruction. If a person is pursuing destruction and we truly do love that individual we don't want them on that path and so we want them to have a right walk with their Lord and their Savior. We don't want them to be uh, really spitting at what the Lord Jesus did for them on the cross but we also recognize that it affects our local churches. Whenever, and that's one of the things I said in the beginning, is that when this is done badly, it affects our local churches. And I've seen that even as a pastor of now this is my second local church that I've had the privilege of pastoring. And we can see the way that when church discipline is not rightly done and done according to what the scriptures teach, it has such lasting ramifications for the local church. Mm. And what ends up happening and what I've seen happen is that an individual, when there hasn't been proper church discipline uh, and I say proper. I'm talking about biblical church discipline displayed. That person often removes themselves from from serving in a local church. They might not remove themselves from membership of that local church, but even their own mem- even their own coming to church becomes sporadic at best. But they remove themselves from areas of service because they don't want to be under the spotlight, and they feel that they're unworthy. They feel that they um, are guilty, and, and there's no restoration that really ends up happening with a person like that and and that is a sadness and the local church is impacted because you've got somebody with gifts that is no longer living them out within Mm. the context of the local church because there's not been proper restoration that has happened
0: now we we do need to just pause and take a step backwards um, and define church discipline itself, uh, just with a little bit of clarity. Uh, just a shout out to Justin B, who has become a regular listener. Uh, we need to have a jingle and uh, pour for uh, for regular listeners one day, uh, so that we can give a shout out to them. But Justin, it's really good to hear from you, mate. Um, uh, Justin does ask, can, can can you define church discipline, please, so that he understands what we're talking about and then can begin to ask questions around it. And listeners, please do ask questions. Uh, If you hear something which has been spoken about and you want clarification uh, or you're looking for biblical references for something that we've said, uh, shout out and we will try and be as responsive as we can over the next
2: two hours. Sure. I'm going to borrow the definition from our statement of faith at Benoni Bible Church. We have this regarding church discipline. Discipline is the exercise of authority given to the church by the Lord Jesus Christ to instruct and guide its members and to promote its purity and welfare. So that's in a nutshell what we would see as church discipline. So it's, an, it's the authority that God has given to the local church, not just to the pastors of a local church, but to the actual members within a local church have been given that authority by the Lord Jesus, so much so that he's the head of the local church. But when there's this discipline situation, and we'll get to the verses in Matthew 18 in a little while, God willing, um, but it's it's an authority that he gives to that local church, to instruct as well as to guide its members and then to promote its purity and its welfare and so we see the the plane out of that in various ways and and the rest the next part of our statement says this it says all members of this church are subject to its discipline and entitled to the benefits thereof and just to think for a moment about that when we think about church discipline many a times we have a I think a more negative view of this where what we see in the statement of what I've just read is very much a positive aspect because not only are you subject to its discipline but you're entitled to the benefits of this. There's a great benefit that this discipline has for you like you would admit even as you listen to the benefit of self-discipline in regard to your diet or your exercise etc. As you do that you're able to be benefited by it. And then it gives a couple of extra points, and I'll read that as well. It says, Church discipline, and firstly, church discipline is for the spiritual good of the offender. Secondly, the vindication of the honor of Christ. Thirdly, the rebuke of the offenses. Fourthly, the removal of scandal. Fifthly, the promotion of the purity and welfare of the church. This power, which Christ has given the church, is for edification, not for destruction, and is to be exercised as under a dispensation of mercy and not of wrath. The goal is for every member to be presented faultless in the day of Christ. So I think that's a a wonderful summary statement regarding church discipline from Bononi Bible Church's statement of faith. Um, But to summarize just discipline itself, discipline is the exercise of authority given to the church by the Lord Jesus Christ to instruct and guide its members and to promote its purity and welfare.
0: So really, we're talking about the bride of Christ. We're talking about the church. But rather than the church with a capital C, specifically we're talking about local churches, the manifestation of uh, of that bride, in particular times, in particular places, amongst particular people, those who have congregated and are the assembly, the called out ones uh, who are together and have a recognition for one another, a, a, a local church which loves one another, and yet there is sin there's leaven in its midst, and we're talking about the the exercise, the cutting out of that leaven which which is a process but it's a relational process if, if what I've understood what you're saying correctly um it's it's a relationship it's to be done in love and it's to be done with an objective in mind and that objective is a pure bride um a a light which cannot be hid a, a people who are separated from the world and are seen to be a god glorifying unit uh, to his praise and glory have a kind of Understood and summarised what you're saying correctly.
2: Yeah, very much, Mark. I think that we, living in an age where, and I wanted to touch on this as well, where we're very much impacted by consumerism, by narcissism and by hedonism. And what I mean by that is that we, we live almost tick boxes, and we we kind of in a this idea that we come into some form of entertainment, which is quite frankly, connecting even with what we looked at with Michael Swain a bit earlier with regard to the government's lockdown regulations, for example, where even government has got a view of the local church thinking that somehow this is a show that's put on. You can do this online. You don't need to do this in person. And in-person worship is so critical to this being played out. How can we actually know one another if we're not with each other, if we're not face-to-face with one another? Um, Church is not just about coming one Sunday every now and then when you don't have some sporting event that is interrupting you from that? And how can we really care for one another's souls if we don't know one another? And so the fellowship that we see even in the New Testament and the New Testament church was a lot deeper than what I think some of us have come to think church is, even in our day. And so there definitely is at the very forefront of a discussion like this when we talk about church discipline, we have to talk a little bit about church and what church is, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the assembling ones, those that gather together for the purpose of honoring Christ as their head. And we submit ourselves underneath Christ who is our head. But just touching even on that with the narcissism as well as hedonism, we so much focused on me and I, and it really is actually about we and us and about honoring Christ. And with the hedonism, we we seem to have such a pleasure-crazed world where if we're not getting what we quite want from something, then we just, well, we'll go somewhere else. You'll have somebody that will maybe come and visit the local church, and they might not mean exactly what they say, but they'll say to you, well, pastor, I'm coming to check out this church. You think to yourself, well, how would I feel if somebody comes and says, I'm going to check out your wife? And (laughs) you think about the Lord Jesus, who's the head of his church. That's not how we ought to behave, and they might not mean it that way, but we seem to have that mentality that church is just this entertainment thing, just like a cinema would be, or some other form of entertainment is what church has been deluded to and our thinking of church has been deluded to that so we must have a proper view of what church membership is and the new testament does teach us that in regard to the local churches that were even written to like the book of ephesus or galatians and you have these local congregations who covenant with each other based on their being born again and them being baptized them identifying themselves with christ and we also see the new testament giving us this This outline regarding church discipline for those members that are in that congregation. You know when we
0: when we're talking about the church and when we're talking about those people who constitute the church, who who make up the church, I am reminded from God's Word how often he refers to both in the Old Testament the nation of Israel and individuals in the nation of Israel as holy ones and then in the New Testament how often God's people are called saints in actual fact I think they receive that designation more than any other designation that, that we are saints that the idea of being saint saint rocky or, or saint mark doesn't mean that we're perfect but it means that we are holy that we have been sanctified that we have been set apart set apart to God that we are are, are ultimately called out of this world um, and so when we start to talk about sin and when we start to talk about the church really what we're talking about is is we who have been set apart and called out from this world when we fall into sin that sin needs to be dealt with um, it, it can't be ignored um, It can't be ignored For the sake of Christ For the sake of his bride For the sake of his fame And for his renown I, I'm reminded of that New Testament church On the day of Pentecost When the church was inaugurated um, Right at the very start Just how unique and how amazing That body was To a watching world uh, There were 120 Believers praying that the Promised Holy Spirit would Come as Jesus had promised uh, In Jerusalem and that day Those who believed um, The message, the gospel message Which Peter had proclaimed um, Were baptized and about 3000 people were added to their number That group of people were were characterized by their devotion to the apostles teaching to fellowship to the breaking of bread to prayer to being in one another's company they were meeting together um, daily um, spending every day in each other's uh, homes uh, meeting together in the temple complex breaking bread together eating their food with much joy and sincerity of heart and what happened when that people that that holy people the holy ones of God that the saints of God uh, were were together and representing Jesus Christ on earth while well, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved there, there was this this relationship between the the rapid expansion of the church and and what the church looked like that they, they did they looked so unique and so different from the world and i guess part of the problem that we have in our day and age is just how similar <laughs> those who profess the name of christ look to the world and um, how little life change um, we expect from those who profess the name of Christ. How how little we expect them to actually put on and demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in their lives and a holiness, a set-apartness unto God. In actual fact, it's frightening and staggering that the church is in such a dreadful state in our day and age.
2: Yeah, Mark, I think that um, what you've touched on there hits the nail on the head with regard to some of the pendulum swinging we've seen in church history. You do find that there are times where there's a a big reaction against legalism, for example, and the pendulum swings all the way to the other side and you have this uh, libertarian kind of a view that emerges where people just have liberty to do anything, whereas true Christian liberty is really the ability to say no. You're freed from sin. You're not a slave to sin. You're a slave to righteousness. And so, true Christian liberty looks like being countercultural. Um, and I do think that we we live in a time, even in our own country, where we haven't really gone through persecution for our faith in a long time. And I would say that the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ continues in the vein of what we see in the New Testament. And there's many places where that representation throughout the world will be maybe a bit better than what we've witnessed even in the last little while here. But but we live in a country where even we we put such high walls around our homes and don't even know our neighbors. And that starts to happen, I think, sometimes in the church as well. We start to have that same I gotta protect myself. I've got my private life and then I've got my public life and then I've got my church life. And we seem to put it into boxes. Whereas we see something very different in the New Testament regarding us being um slaves of Christ and us being part of one another. It's not about me, it's about we. It's not about I, it's about us. And we see that corporate kind of a uh, aspect. What I did want to touch on as well is that if you're gonna be in a church that is committed to a biblical view of church discipline you must have as a prerequisite some other very high views and Mm -hmm. one of those views and you've touched on that is a high view of the scriptures we must be able to have a final authority because when we talk about church discipline it's not about you know how mark would like to discipline somebody or how rocky would like to discipline somebody it's if we are pastors within the local church and elders in the local church we must look at well what does God's word say about this it's not a preference issue it's not about what I personally like in somebody else's personality or where I maybe got a little bit offended it's about looking at where and what is sin and Mm. and so you must have a high view of the scriptures which then negates that you have a high view of christ or not Mm. negates it 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 includes and Mm, mm. it includes a high view of the lord jesus and what the lord jesus did i mean just as an example of that uh, we believe that jesus christ is the only begotten son of god the eternal word who became flesh he lived a sinless existence and not losing his divine nature so that he might be a perfect redeemer for mankind we believe that he was conceived by the holy spirit born of the virgin mary and is the true god man we believe in his vicarious that means on behalf of others and substitutionary that means in the place of others atonement for the penalty of man's sin if we don't believe that he paid the penalty for man's sin how will we even have a right view of what our offense is before god and as we think about christ and we think about what he endured at the cross we very much realize that we were part of that crowd crying out crucify him We were part of those ones that he prayed to his father, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We would have might as well been the one actually swinging the hammer to nail him to that cross. And that's what our sin has done. If we don't have a high view of Christ, we won't have a high view of what sin is and how terrible that is and how offensive that is before the Father. And we continue even with that idea of the Lord Jesus. We believe in his bodily resurrection for our justification. We believe that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father as the believer's advocate, intercessor, and mediator. It's very grounded in our theology. And if we don't have a high view of Scripture, then we won't have a high view of Christ, then we won't have a high view of sin, then we won't have church discipline. And I think that many times where our theology goes, is very much where true church discipline would go and the practice of that with each other and we won't then be subjecting ourselves to to that benefit as a local congregation every single one of us as christians would recognize that we are one person with two natures we have the old nature of the old man but we also have the new nature that is after Christ and when we were born again we received the Holy Spirit who abides in us and works in us and enlightens us toward what the scriptures teach but there's that sanctification journey as much as we are saints Mm. positionally there is this progress that happens we're still this side of heaven and we're still this side of the garden of Eden and it's messy and we ought to at least come to that humble position where we go I'm not perfect but I have a perfect redeemer and I have a I have his perfect word to apply to all aspects of life and godliness. And that church discipline then helps us to see what are those areas that we need to, to go in. Um, so,
0: I mean, yeah, we are. We're talking about church discipline. We're We're kind of picking up some momentum. You can feel we're... Starting to get to Some of the issues And some of the complexities I think it would be A good time now To read from God's word And take a look At what God's word says About church discipline We don't, we don't have to read Every passage um, uh, I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians 5 uh, uh, Acts chapter 5 Might be examples There's mm. passage in Titus uh, Towards the end of the book um, But Matthew chapter 18 Really the words Of the Lord Jesus Christ As it relates To church discipline Would be a great Biblical Place yes. to start in terms of In terms of identifying a Process and setting a a, a Precedent so let me, let me Read the passage and then we can start To talk about what church discipline Would actually look like um, before We to start to talk about some of the complexities Around church discipline Matthew chapter 15 uh, Did I say chapter 15 Matthew chapter 18 Beginning at verse 15 if your Brother sins against you go tell him his fault between you and him alone if he listens to you you have won your brother but if he won't listen take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses every fact may be established if he doesn't pay attention to them tell the church if he doesn't pay attention even to the church let him be like a gentile and a tax collector to you truly I tell you whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven again truly I tell you if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for it will be done for you by my father in heaven for where two or three are gathered in my name together in my name I am there among them I mean there's There's a whole lot going on in that short space of time in just those few verses, Uh, a couple of verses that I have no doubt listeners would be quite familiar with, Um, quite familiar with. Uh, I think of that last verse, verse 24, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am Uh, among them, uh, is probably a very well known passage of scripture. And yet we find it in a place Possibly which is unrelated to the way That we often apply it We often apply it to prayer um, To kind of like the prayer meeting Yeah we are few in number um, But but uh, uh, Christ is together with us. Um, And yet it seems that even this passage is talking about some kind of decision-making process as it relates to a church decision uh, that God is affirming that uh, as keys are turned and things are bound and loosed, uh, that he is there with you as you go through that process.
2: What's going on in this passage, Rocky? So we do see some of the process of church discipline played out for us here firstly in verse 15 you see personal reproof and so where there is the sin that has happened against you within a local church context you you now go to your brother And, and i think that that's something that is possibly uncomfortable for us we don't quite like confrontation but there must be confrontation as well as confession and that that's key to the church discipline process many a times you find that the process even stops there at that first initial confrontation. I think if there's a sensitivity towards the Holy Spirit and a sensitivity towards God's Word, and I would encourage you that if you're in that position, that you take God's Word and you bring God's Word to bear, because that is our standard for life and for godliness. It's one thing to go to a brother or a, and and you should do that with much gentleness as well recognizing often the biblical principles that come to mind of well take out the log out of my own eye before I take the speck out of my brother's eye this is not calling us to be nitpicky with each other and it is blessed to forgive it's, it's a it's a blessing to a man to actually look over sin and that's something that's counted worthy within the scriptures but you see a personal reproof that happens in verse 15 if that personal reproof fails as such and you don't actually find that there is a confession that results from that confrontation. I think that that would be a good way of judging that section in verse 15. Then you bring along other witnesses and so you have a reinvestigation that takes place and that's important as well in verse 16 because you might as the one that initially brought the accusation be wrong and so you need what the facts to be brought to bear. You need at all to be laid out on the table you need to need to have it all uncovered and you have this uncovered before witnesses at that stage you might have it that the accuser is actually wrong Uh, it might be that the one that you've brought an accusation against was not themselves actually sinning then you'll probably find that the one that's bringing the accusation himself is the one that's sinful and again there needs to be a confession and a repentance on behalf of the one that's the accuser or the one that has been accused and that is then established before the witnesses in verse 16 if that itself is also played out at that second point and I, I want to pause there and just say that right in the beginning I talked about how I've seen church discipline done many times badly I don't think you must assume that no church discipline is happening in your own local church there may well be many cases of mm. church discipline that are busy happening in a private sense and, and I think that it's helpful for a local church to deal with some of that private sin that they become aware of maybe the elders become aware of this in the church maybe other members in the church become aware of this and it actually stops at point one or point two of that church discipline process. So
0: I, I, I guess what you're saying is that church discipline happens in community and before yes. and before discipline becomes public there's at least two steps yes. that Jesus Christ speaks about here in both verse 15 and 16. Maybe just to draw out that um, that, that discipline happens in community. Um, we spoke about prerequisites the church discipline and we spoke about a high view of scripture we spoke about christology um we spoke uh, about, about sin. Uh, sin and about an understanding of sin uh, and even an understanding of salvation
2: and and, and really even a, a an understanding of the local
0: church and, and that's exactly that's where i was going to yes, uh, uh, yeah if that if church discipline happens in the context of community then surely we have to have an understanding of the local church the local church needs to be healthy it needs to be vibrant there must be these kinds of relationships that these kinds of steps can happen in um, else church discipline is going to be a formal dry dusty hurtful um, and 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 not God honoring process I've, at I've all. heard of
2: it as spoken as uh, of as bringing out the big guns. Mm-hmm, right? Yeah, bringing out the big stick. Um, yes, you know, like yeah. now that you've you finally at this point where you're so frustrated with a member in your church, then then you bring out church discipline all
0: justice and all you know, wrath without any love like or you mercy pull out or them grace. cannons. Yeah, and you
2: blast away.
0: Tsepo, brother, I, I want to bring you into the conversation at this stage uh, And then we're going to listen to one or two um, user comments And I do thank the users that have uh, dropped voice notes We're going to be listening to those straight after the break um, As an introduction to the next section mm-hmm. But Tsepo, maybe just to bring you in and to, and to ask brother uh, w- When we talk about church discipline When we talk about these first Two steps. Um, First of all, um, going to a brother one-on-one, and then going to a brother and and bringing others with, in order to establish um, if sin has truly been committed. What does that actually look like in a local church context? Well, I think we might have lost Seppo, so <laughs> let me let me pass over to Rocky. Rocky, what might that look like in a local church context? Uh,
2: a, a good question, Mark, and I think that many a times in and the local members of local churches that are even listening this morning might begin to think that this is only something done at an eldership level. This is yes. this is something done at the local church level with the local member mm. of the local church. Mm. It looks like being sensitive to the work of the holy spirit and what the scriptures teach Mm. to christians and then it it looks like us having such a high view of holiness that we're willing to go and confront one another and so there is a confrontation and there is also a confession that happens at that first point where we we go and we we look at that that issue as per se and we think, okay, is this something that's a minor offence that I can easily forgive and, and walk past, or is this something where this person's relationship with the Lord Jesus is at stake? Mm. And I think that that's a good critical point to look at and I guess, say.
0: I guess both your both your responses, if you're if that's where you start, both your responses are. Are motivated by love um, So can I overlook that Will be motivated by love In other words uh, is this against me Is it not a big thing uh, Can I can, can I bear this Is is this not something which would cause Relational conflict between me and this person Is not this not an actual matter of sin um, I'm going to love them Enough that I'm not going to make a, a mountain out of what is Ultimately a, mole, a molehill But if I recognize hang on wait There's, there's sin here um, I'm motivated by the same love to go and confront that person lovingly mm. and because I want to win that person over. I want to see them glorify God with their lives.
2: Yeah, true, true church discipline is always restorative in its nature. Mm. And so you are looking at this is something that's actually impacting their relationship with the Lord. They're unable to worship him as they ought to because they've got this idol in their life that they've set up and said this is more worthy of my attention than what Christ is but then you realize as well how relational that is. It has your brother sinned against you, and and you recognize that this sin that they've committed against God is something that impacts your relationship with this individual, but it also impacts their relationship with the rest of the local church. And that's where I think um, you you come to that personal reproof aspect. And your desire is, I want this person to walk right with the Lord, I want them to walk with me right, this isn't just being hypercritical. And I want to, I guess, um, warn the listener even with regard to that. I think we, we also, again, live in this day and age where we really love watching shows that are like cooking shows or idols or all of these different singing competitions. And we always think that we can do better. And I think that that that's something we need to fight against as well this isn't a well i could do this person's job better in the church and so let me find something that i can uh, correct them with and make them better at what they're doing and this is the way they're serving but if i was serving in that position then i would do this that that would just be hypocritical and that's prideful and you yourself maybe need to go through that process of church discipline to be restored to your lord and to your brothers in that regard but you then would go to that individual, and if it should escalate from there, and the Bible does also give us warning of this when you are busy looking to restore somebody who has fallen, you need to take heed yourself that you yourself don't fall into sin yourself, so I think even with that witness aspect, you would be wise to take wise witnesses with you and take a mature believers with you, so that the sin that you's been confronted does not become like a um like a virus that spreads to the rest of the congregation as well. And then from that second point, you then come to a congregational reinforcement. And that would be that third point where you bring it to the church. I think sometimes we also do well, mix up point three and point four together well before, as well.
0: Before we get to point three and point four, uh, we do have uh, user comments that we need to engage with. Uh, we also do need to take a break. Uh, we're going to take a musical interlude now. We're going to be listening Bay May by Lucas De Beer And after that we'll be uh, listening to one or two adverts Um, But right now, Bay May, uh, Lucas De Beer
3: Good morning, thank you for the show Here's the topic of discipline in the church, in the house of God Um, That's for us, the saints And the word is there for discipline and reproof and to train us, and yes, for encouragement. It is there for all of that purpose. And a saint of God will not refuse correction. It will be like ointment on the head if it comes according to the word of God from a godly source and wisdom of God. And my prayer is that the leaders will not be afraid with authority given to them we know that in these last days that people will be deceived and people will like to go to teaching that tickles the ears and we know that there is a problem with people pleasing instead of God pleasing and Paul said if he were a people pleaser he wouldn't have been the apostle of God that he was and that will stand on the truth the church will preach the truth and nothing but the truth and those that want the tickling of the ears that Mm. they must go to the world offers them entertainment and what's pleasurable and falls nicely softly on the ear but we saints we stand on the word and yeah that is my prayer for the leaders in the church that they'll take up their mandate and they'll because they'll be unaccountable For how they led the sheep and if there's a time for discipline, a time for rebuke then so be it because there's a time for everything. Thank you for the show
0: A very good morning it's Justin here and may I just say surely this does not apply only to church discipline Um, surely these uh, measures and and life standards apply to dealing with people in general. Yeah, thanks very much for those two voice notes and maybe just Uh, A reminder to listeners How you can engage on this topic This topic this morning is church discipline We'd love to hear your voices Uh, We'd love to hear your comments Or your questions You can interact with us on Our Facebook uh, page uh, Under the streaming event uh, Table Talk with Mark Penrith Uh, You will find the ability to comment The Facebook page is Radio Pulpit or Radio Console Our Twitter handle is At 6578 A.M. Um, and you can send voice notes in to 082-657-2729 Really looking forward to hearing those voice notes It's always great to hear your voice as we engage on biblical topics This morning I'm speaking to two folk I'll be bringing Teppo Pitzel in shortly uh, Teppo Pitzel, he is on Skype, he's not with me in studio My... Um, Co-laborer At Crystal Park Baptist Church And I'm speaking to Rocky Stevenson Who's the pastor at, at I nearly said Crystal Park Baptist Church That would be a bit awkward There'd be two of us Um, At Benoni Bible Church A really good friend of mine We both serve God On the east side uh, Of uh, of Johannesburg Ikurileni, uh, in that metropole um, Rocky really good to have you on we're speaking about a very very relevant topic I, I was just listening in those voice notes um, two, two things brought up maybe just to address uh, Justin's note uh, that does this only have relevance to the church no discipline has wide relevance to every sphere of our lives we're to be disciplined one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control and um, parents are to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord and um, discipline itself has, has a lot of uh, scope into many areas but we are right now considering very specifically Church discipline And church discipline um, Really happens In the context Of a church Which holds To God's word Has a high view Of Jesus Christ um, Has membership In place Because you can't Discipline um, Some kind of Amorphous group Of people But but has has Members in place And those members Have um, Covenanted Or agreed uh, That they are Bound together And they recognize One another's um, Standing uh, Before Christ They recognize uh, uh, the salvation, witness, and testimony in one another's. And church discipline happens in that context, the context of relationship in a local church. I really enjoyed the vo- the voice note that came just before Justin. Thank you so much for sending it in. Rocky, I, I, I could see that you wanted to respond to something that was said there. You want to pick it up?
2: Yeah, most definitely. I've got a, a section in my notes where I, I took a I got another quote regarding what church membership is about, and it's very much in in unison with what we heard in that voice note, Church Discipline, and here's the the quote, Church Discipline is about the members of a local church lovingly holding each other accountable to live a life of holiness, a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Church Discipline is an act of love because only the holy are truly happy. And so that's what we engage in. And I I loved what um, the listener said in regard to Um, as a, a believer not rejecting that and that's a basic premise regarding church discipline in Matthew 18. It's only one who's not a believer who would actually reach that end process and be excluded from the church membership and to be treated as a gentile and tax collector because of the fact that there's no repentance. A believer repents, a believer turns to the Lord Jesus and um, confesses their sin and repents and that's those last two aspects in the church discipline section in Matthew 18 where where you come and you bring that before the accountability of the congregation and then there's an exclusion that happens if that person still refuses to mm. repent
0: I I loved it as I was listening to um uh, to what the listener was saying. I, I loved the statement: a saint of God will not refuse correction. A saint of God will not refuse correction. Jesus says, "My sheep hear my voice, um, and that they follow him," and and. and One's expectation as you begin to engage relationally in discipline in a local church is that if your brother does sin against you (laughs) and you go to him and you make him aware of a fault or of a sin, one's expectation is that they will repent that they will turn because the same spirit that is in you <laughs> is in them and so your desire is to see them glorify god um the truth is that all of us need to repent every single day um the bible is is filled with commands to confess our sins knowing that god is faithful and just and will forgive us um the bible is filled with 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 this reality that our sanctification our setting apart our holiness unto christ is a progressive Project that begins at the point of salvation And is never completed Until glorification, until we die And are united with Christ uh, In perfect bodies, and, and so there's a Need for each one of us um, To repent, we we understand that We we understand when we go to A brother and we say brother uh, This is a sin in your life And that you need to repent of it, doesn't mean That we're perfect people um, that have Got everything right, no we, we Understand that we're in the same process But we're in it together, and, and that that's why church discipline happens best in community because in community we are vulnerable to one another we love one another and we understand that we are all on the same journey together it means that there's that there's both permission to go to one another and to make each other aware of sin and but there's also trust that when a brother comes and and makes me aware of of something which they've seen in my life that maybe i hadn't even seen myself there's a there 's a trust that that this is this is for our good and ultimately for god 's glory we we do we expect saints of God not to f- refuse correction
2: and and that 's the emphasis is always upon reconciliation, and I think that 's key mm. to to just bring again it isn 't really the bringing out of the big guns or the big whip it 's you want reconciliation to happen, and you don 't want alienation to happen because the reality is is that just as much as church discipline is helpful for restoring that believer to a right relationship with the Lord and with you as well, it also helps that person not be alienated. If you don't practice church discipline, what tends to happen? You get awkward around that person. Mm-hmm. You know that there's this issue that's between you and them, but now you you now don't visit them anymore or they don't see you anymore. You avoid them at church. You sit one side, they sit on the other side. And so then alienation happens, and that's not practicing love with yes. your brother or your sister um, you it's emphasis on reconciliation and then restoration not retribution it's not because my feelings were hurt and so now i've got to hurt your feelings i've got to find something to hammer you with because you've hurt me and i'm so hurt and you can just think about the way that our world has impacted us oftentimes within the church when we think everybody's a victim you know we're all a victim of whatever happens around us so now we've got to bring retribution but it's really about restoration and it's about helping that person not hurting that person and I think those are some key emphasis so reconciliation not alienation restitution not retribution and then helping not hurting Um, and even then, Matthew 18 verse 15 it says you have gained that very literally could be interpreted as you've profited your brother and you Mm. gain him you've profited him you're actually doing this for His good, for His benefit, for the benefit of the local body, for the benefit of your relationships, their relationship with the Lord. Tepo, let,
0: let me bring you in now. We'll we'll try this again. Um, brother, I'm, I'm hoping that you're on the line and that you've been listening in. We're talking about church discipline. Where have you seen church discipline working well? And what are some of the inhibitors to church discipline that you, that you have seen, experienced, or read about?
4: Okay, so... Okay, I'm hearing myself. Okay.
1: Um, Yeah.
4: So from experience, I'm I'm not so sure that I've seen it uh, practiced, but um, well, from scripture, uh, I see what the steps are. And maybe, maybe just to just to say a few things there. And maybe this is something that has been said, but I think I think it's good to highlight. So Church discipline often happens when um, a person has been wronged, and let's say in a in a in a, in a context of a local church, when somebody has wronged you, then you would uh, approach that person on a one to one. But that is the one side that has been um, addressed. But the other issue that I think we may have not touched on is if somebody's caught in sin, maybe particularly not. Um, in relation to another person in the local church so that one is 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 a bit tricky i think because once the sin becomes known to a particular person i think many people don't know what to do with it it's maybe they would want to go to the pastor first or wanna go to another member to get guidance on it, and when it comes to that confidentiality, also um, gets uh, broken. So, so yeah, I think I think in that case, um, I've never seen it happen, and maybe in my case as well, not having known in the past what to do, I had gone to somebody, maybe an elder, and said. Um, I know about this situation what do you think the step is here and so yeah just before it even comes to the elders we know that that's like step number four um, in the whole process and we are called to um, go to the person Galatians 6 1 says go to the person you who are more spiritual and um, bring them restore them because you too might just be um um what is this fall into that sin, or you may be tempted to sin uh, when it comes to that, so yeah, um in my case, um I failed uh, when it comes to that because I had not known um what to do with this information that I had, and so yeah i think i think I think what we need to do as well is to look at what sort of sin is at play who is affected and then what the step is in that sort of situation that is seen
0: I guess uh, you are highlighting 1 Corinthians chapter 5 which is a comprehensive section followed up in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians um, where Um, Paul is dealing with a very public sin that was known uh, to folk in the church Uh, I mean to read 1 Corinthians chapter 5 Paul actually says that it's been reported that there's sexual immorality among you The kind of sexual immorality that's not even tolerated among the Gentiles a, A man sleeping with his father's wife And are you arrogant? Shouldn't you be filled with grief and remove from your congregation the one who did this? Uh, And he says even though I'm absent in the body I'm present in the spirit And the one who's present with you in this way uh, I've already pronounced judgment And the one who's doing such a thing When you assemble in the name of the Lord Jesus I'm with you in spirit With the power of our Lord Jesus Hand that one over to Satan For the destruction of the flesh So that his spirit may be saved In the day of the Lord Uh, Just a little bit later in verse 9 He says I wrote Uh, to you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people Uh, and I did not mean that the immoral people of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters otherwise you'd have to leave the world but I actually wrote to you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister and is sexual immoral or greedy or an idolater, or verbally abusive or drunkard or swindler don't even eat with such a person for what business is it of mine to judge outsiders don't you judge those who are inside God judges outsiders remove the evil person from among you I mean that would be a great example um, and a biblical example uh, are 13 verses devoted um, to a person who is in clear fragrant um, public sin, uh, and that sin is known from others, of course, the story doesn't end there because, as we read in paul's second letter to the corinthians again this 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 judgment, this pronouncement which Paul has had that he calls upon the Corinthians to assemble and to put into action um uh, this has a this has a restorative um result in second Corinthians chapter two verse five, we read that if anyone has caused pain he has caused pain not so much to me but to some degree not to exaggerate to all of you and this punishment by the majority is sufficient for that person as a result you should instead forgive and comfort him otherwise he might be overwhelmed by excessive grief and therefore I urge you to reaffirm your love to him and it seems fairly clear from the context that Paul is now saying well you assembled um, you recognize that this person had sinned You put him out of your midst But there has been repentance There has been true um, uh, uh, acknowledgement of sin And a turning away from sin And so as a result uh, You are to come together in 2 Corinthians chapter verse 5 to 8 you're to come together um, as a majority and you are to reaffirm your love for him in other words uh, there's been a reversal here uh, uh, once there was leaven in the lump that leaven was taken out um, but that that leaven is no longer leaveny <laughs> you're to bring it in and, and reaffirm uh, this person's uh, salvation Another question, although uh, related to to these steps of of discipline and, and how they how they actually play out, and we haven't come to the third and the fourth step. We're we're due to get there now, Rocky. But um, uh, a question comes in. Um, uh, on Facebook Hi Mark and Rocky please help me out here what if the person who's been corrected about something which they have not been convicted of as being a sin by other members opinion that is uh, a sin so for example and she's not just pulling this out of the air smoking or gambling or dancing or having a glass of champagne at a wedding etc I grew up in a very legalistic church and would like to hear your views so in other words there's been there's been no um, possibly there's been no even going to this person in order to say hey this is a sin uh, there's just been an innuendo uh, a gossip uh, a conversation behind the scenes and uh, this is mounted against the person the person's not guilty of anything that the Bible says is sin uh, two or three witnesses haven't been brought um, in order to establish that this is sin this hasn't even been brought to the church's attention but there's this kind of feeling in the air that this person is living a sinful life it's never been dealt with um, I, what would your response be to that Rocky?
2: I, I do think that we want to be very gentle with dealing with each other and when we talk about legalism if we start I think even legalism needs to be defined the minute that you add you yeah. must do this to be saved or you must do this to remain saved you've got legalism um, and if somebody is saying well if you smoke a cigarette you are going to now go to hell because you've smoked that cigarette you've got to be careful I think with applying church discipline you want to be patient you want to be gentle you want to walk with an individual you want to recognize that God is dealing with that person um, as he is dealing with you and that might be something that you can see quite visibly um, There, there might be your local church might have taken a stance on certain things as well. So you wanna have sensitivity to the local churches that we might be talking about as well here. Um, but you do wanna be able to go to a specific passage in scripture. You wanna be able to show them where this is sinning against God, where it's impacting their relationship between them and God, how it's impacting their relationship with you. And then if you feel that, um, that it is something that you need to pursue the church discipline root with, then pursue that with great gentleness and then it's to really follow the process. So I think with any matter, let's say it is something that you're quite offended about the fact that your brother's smoking a cigarette after church, then follow the process and then you might come to the to the realization that you've been quite judgmental of that individual or there's certain things in your life. so I think that the but a great sense of caution should be implemented in regard to that. There are certain areas within the scriptures um that are very specific. I think the the reader mentioned there drinking a glass of champagne at a wedding. Um you know, is there a place in scripture that you could go to that says drinking a glass of champagne at a wedding is now um a sin against God, a sin against your brethren and a sin against the local church and the stand up? Maybe in some cultures that would be. You know maybe that maybe that would bring reproach reproach to Christ, and there's a bigger issue at play with regard to the yeah. glass of champagne. But I think we do need to be very cautious with this. This isn't saying go and hold a magnifying glass up to try and find any spot or wrinkle that you can find in your brother or your sister. Um, I think we do need to practice much gentleness and patience with one another and really be um, circumspect even in that i'm I'm
0: thinking that, as we consider this particular scenario, it brings out two greater evils that often the church is very guilty of. The first is that we actually don't go through any of the steps of church discipline but people rush to judgment judgment, and we judge one another and we bite one another and we devour one another and we talk behind one another's back and we gossip um, and and there's all manner of sin that we are actually guilty of um, without even bothering to go through any act of love um, and confront in any way I think that's probably the greatest sin on display and if I've understood the conversation correctly uh, the scenario that's been put in front of us um, and, and and I think that that's probably especially in very unhealthy churches churches which are are, 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 are are in an unhealthy relational state I would imagine that that is probably the greatest sin that the church is Often guilty of Uh, A second one would be A type of fearfulness That we have um, Mm -hmm. Inherently in us And some of this Actually might be driven By culture um, But a type of fearfulness To confront anyone On almost anything Mm -hmm. Um, uh, It is always easier Just to let almost anything Without exception slide by Because our desire Is not to hurt anyone's feelings Or or get anyone upset in any way um, and, and and I would say that 's probably a, a yeah. second sin that yeah. the that the church all too frequently is guilty of.
2: I, I love thinking through uh, Shepherding a child 's Heart by Ted Tripp, who writes a wonderful book for parents with their children and it talks He talks in various chapters regarding discipline of children, and one of the areas that 's been so helpful to think through when you 're disciplining your child is. You're you identifying with the fact that you yourself are a sinner and that you yourself are in need of a Savior. And so when you pray with your child after you've disciplined them, you're saying, well, there's hope for sinners like us. And I've seen this approach even with some older wise pastors. I think of uh, a wonderful brother here in Pretoria, Willem um a fantastic A minister of the gospel and just a a wonderful pastor at heart, and and his approach often is well, how can I help you? And so let's say you've got a church member that is um, a chain smoker, and I don't know, looks more like a tractor or whatever. I mean, of course, if you love that individual, you know that's not good for them. But the approach ought to be, well, how can I help you? How can I how can I be of assistance to you in this area that maybe you're needing some self-discipline in? Um, There are other areas. I mean, how. How often, if you're part of a Baptist church, you'd probably realize that Baptists really um, can cook well. And there's, maybe there's others, I haven't been in other congregations, but I mean, some of the ladies in our churches can really cook some wonderful meals. But, you know, you might be tempted at a church function to have <coughs> thirds, fourths, and fifths. And um, you might even be looked at wrongly if you don't. But what about the sin of gluttony? You know, but there may be that yeah. need to come across a, to a brother and say, well, how can I help you in this? And that's very different from. You know, let me harm you with my um, gossip. Did you see how much Mark put on his plate at this function? Mm. You know, my word. I mean, and he had like seven glasses of Coke. Um, and and I think that when we have that mentality of how can I help this individual, that that's a very different one. But Teppo also touched on some of the areas where, and, and the scriptures give us this as well, where church discipline is actually sped up. And one of those you touched on in First in Corinthians 5 with sexual immorality, where there's this public scandal. And that ought to be dealt with immediately. You don't sweep that under the rug. And there even is times where maybe the government authorities need to be brought in. And I think that we can sometimes be guilty of that. And Tepo even touched on confidentiality. I think sometimes even pastors can be guilty of this when they become aware of something that's actually a crime. A moral crime not just against God but actually ought to go before the courts of the land because they bear the sword and that's what their job is Romans 13 they are meant to be punishing that which is evil and uplifting that which is good Mm. and you ought to actually then as a Christian bring that you bring that consequence to bear. if somebody is truly repentant and we see this with David a man after God's own heart he was willing to bear the consequences and so even in your counsel of that individual even when you at that first stage of church discipline where you've just become aware of this public scandal it may be something that actually doesn't go through the matthew 18 pr- um process it may be something of such a scandalous nature like that sexual immorality in first corinthians 5 that it needs to be dealt with Immediately. Some other areas of that would be where you've got somebody with a false gospel. First John teaches us that. You're not even to greet that person by the hand or welcome them into your home where they're an apostate when they are saying that Jesus is not God or where that, that he was not born of the Virgin Mary or that he was not flesh, um, that he did not come as man and God, or where where you find that there's actually like the fundamentals of the faith are being trampled on. There's an area where there's to be immediate kind of a discipline from the elders within a congregation and then one other area titus touches on and that is divisiveness Um, and that's very serious you warn that person once you warn them twice and then you have nothing to do with them is what titus says and so you've got these three major areas that i'm uh, that i'm currently thinking through that are faster than the matthew 18 principle divisiveness when you've got this debauchery that's happening within the congregation and um and what is the third one again?
0: <laughs> you know Rocky, uh, I, even as I'm listening to you, I am reminded that, uh, and you were talking about if a crime has been committed, uh, and particularly sexual crime, uh, you always, always report abuse. Uh, yes. you always reporting There's this. too much scandal
2: um, even with the church worldwide and we easily can point fingers at the Catholic Church in this regard but even in America with the Southern Baptist Convention there's been a, a number of cases that have been brought up and that, that ought to not be that way with us and I think Temple touched on that a bit. Sometimes we don't know how to deal with that um sometimes pastors have gone to seminary and we've been taught how to preach and we've been taught how to have our theology ducks in a row but we haven't been taught very well on on how to practice church discipline and sometimes you have an inadequacy yourself as an individual dealing with this you might even have somebody in the congregation come to you because they think that you know better and you're not you're not necessarily a professional on that um, and you've got your own sin that you're dealing with and you like i mean you're so busy hating your own sin you know there's that saying Love the sinner, hate the sin, but we so busy we should be so busy hating the, our own sin and dealing with our own sin that we 've got very little time to hate the sin in somebody else um, but but there 's a sense where this is often not done as well as we ought to do it, and so I think there are a couple of principles that the uh, if there 's a listening pastor or a listening elder. Um, or even a listening church member can put into place um, in regard to this. And one of them is that just because you don't see it happening doesn't necessarily mean that church discipline isn't happening. So pray for your local church. That would be a principle to put out front is just pray for your local church this may be happening within the local church that you part of on various levels maybe it's at that point one of church discipline or that point two of church discipline you might not be aware of it at that point but it might be happening and and pray for your elders and your leaders like that listener that uh, came on and, um, and sent a voice note pray for them
0: Teresa asks um, Besides believers not repenting from sin What else should a church know about a believer Who is being disciplined And, and Tip, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the question to you Because you've been very involved In um, bringing members uh, Into the local church What are the kinds of things that local churches Really do need to, need to know And understand about members Who are coming into a local church
4: Okay so um, What we do especially with People that we have no background of um, is we want to find out where they are coming from, um, what were the um, the reasons they left their previous church, and also what we what we do do in our first um, interaction with them or membership lesson is find out um, what what what's the gospel message that they believed and also um like for instance let's say it's an older lady that comes in or um maybe a lady that comes here without her husband so you want to find out what's what what life are they living what sort of arrangement they have you you know you you want to know um is this person maybe Uh, Living a life of sin and maybe some sometimes people don't even know that they're living in sin (laughs) So and you want to establish that you want to know where this person is coming from are they here um, in the country in an illegitimate way and so so it, it's all sorts of things that you want to find out that um, obviously God guides you on um, and you ask those questions beforehand and if there are major issues then you probably want to halt or um, just pause that issue and then just take them through what the Bible teaches in terms of how we should be conducting ourselves as Christians, and maybe that's even a point of repentance for for them, because they might not have known that the particular thing that they were doing is sinful. So well, yeah, um, y- I think y- you
0: say you say God yeah. guides you on, but but in actual fact, uh, I think a, a responsible church would also have some guidelines that they would put down for people who are interviewing, you know, prospective members, so that you at least ask questions um that might uncover future issues so that you don't just bring people into church membership in order to discipline them out <laughs> that would be a that would be a, a a a horrible set of circumstances
4: yeah 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 definitely so so we obviously work through guidelines and so some some sometimes some things just um come up out of the conversation and so that's like oh maybe this leads to something else that we might not have done, and so yeah, that's that's it. it and and obviously, we, when we do that, we try to have more than one mature Christian in the room because yeah. well, um, what's, what's maybe the Mark reason might pick up on something.
0: What what's the reason for having more than one Christian in the room? I mean, you already started on the answer there before I got to ask the question.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So because um, I I may not be think well maybe somebody mentions some, or the person that's been interviewed mentions something, and I may not be, maybe I haven't been exposed enough to certain things, but somebody else in the room might know where this might be leading to, or if they've dealt with something similar to this, and may have the right question to ask at that moment. So, like, for instance, I'll I'll look at myself, and I I think of Craig. Craig sits with me, he sat with me in um, a membership interview and mm-hmm. just listening to the questions he asks tells me that this man has been walking with the Lord for a very long time and so so he's been exposed to many more sins or many more situations that I as a young man may not have even thought of and so the questions that come from him may not necessarily have um, come from me because I don't think that further um, in terms of
0: um, how people could be living, Teresa goes on and asks a very complex question regarding a polygamous setup and uh, just complexities around taking up membership and how would a church need to respond to that? Let me just say, Teresa, one of the one of the joys in the way that God has constituted the church is that He gives elder, pastor, teachers to the church and. Part of their responsibility is to weigh up all of Scripture, to understand Scripture, to hold to the deeper truths of faith, and to be able to teach the deeper truths of faith. And and often these very tricky situations that you uh, that you alluded to, you used the word tricky in your question. Um, God specifically gives elders to the church so that they can work through those very very. Dark waters uh, in order to Understand and in order to make Right judgment that Christ might be Glorified and the local church Might be built up um, And it might be presented one day To him as a pure bride And that God might be glorified I I, I don't want us not to have enough Time to get through the next Two steps of church discipline uh, And so Rocky I, I'm going to Again uh, pass to you and just, uh, And just say we're in verse 18 of chapter 18 where um no actually sorry verse verse, 17
2: verse 15 deals with that personal reproof verse 16 deals with that reinvestigation with witnesses and then you've got congregational reinforcement in Mm. verse 17a Mm. and that would be after you've had the second step where the witnesses are satisfied with the claims that have been brought and every fact has actually been tested and so there's a testing that happens. That group then uh, may be represented by an individual that brings the case forward to the local church after this individual has not yet um, confessed and really repented of their sin brings that to the congregation and then that is reinforced and the congregation in that type of a situation actually is called upon to pray for that individual to also bring to bear to that individual that that person's part of their congregation this is a body part that you're dealing with Mm -hmm. there's a cancer that you have identified in one of the body parts that makes up the membership of that local congregation and the rest of the body because of that body part suffering is suffering in result of because of this and so the rest of the congregation I think the the difficulty comes many a times that we would do point three and point four together I loved what um, Tsepo was talking about regarding your interview process and it's so relational I think we've sometimes made church too programatized and you've got too many steps that are like okay here's the hoops that you need to jump through and once you've jumped through the hoops then we just have to make you a church member and and i think that's a dangerous form of church membership it ought to be relational it ought to be us sitting together uh, his sheep hear his voice he knows them they follow him they you know even with teresa's kind of a question a Christian wants to hear God's truth and wants to apply God's truth even to the tricky situations in their life. Mm-hmm. They're willing to make the difficult changes that take place. They're willing to take the consequences of the bad decisions that they've made. And I know that these things are very um, messy. And it's and it's messy indeed. If you tell this individual, well, you need to move out from your boyfriend. And sure. he's busy paying the bills or he's busy doing this is the life that you've become accustomed to and you need to go and trust the lord this person looks wow. at you like hey this is a crazy step but god willing you have a local church that loves individuals enough that when yeah. that person has made that yeah. decision somebody opens their a bedroom in their in their in their, room, in their home or somebody loves them mm-hmm. enough to actually care for them and help put food on the table or hires them or um, puts them up in a job and so you you take that maybe even to the local church and say we've got this sister that is in need because she she's recognized she's been in an immoral relationship, she has listened to the counsel of the elders, and this is the situation that we're in, but sometimes we don't even get to that because we're not relational so the the congregational yep. reinforcement happens when the whole congregation is actually grieved by the sin that this individual's in and actually pleads for their case before the Lord in intercessory type of prayer, but then even comes to that individual and says, "You need to repent." This is what has been brought to us. Now, that person might respond in various ways. One of the ways I've seen, if somebody's unrepentant, often they will respond in anger and resentment and bitterness and strife, and there'll be extra sin that even actually becomes exposed, and they really just expose themselves in that situation if they are unrepentant. And then it comes to that fourth step, which is in verse 17b, which is corporate removal. And that might be, you know, some churches will do that at a... um, at a regular church service on a, on the Lord's Day. Others will sometimes do that on the day that they would have the Lord's Supper. And I've seen that some churches do that that way. Some churches will do that at a QGM or an AGM. I think if you're waiting that long to do it only at a QGM or AGM, maybe uh, something needs to be done a little bit sooner if you're dealing with that issue. And I think there is an urgency by the time you've reached stage four. I think that you've established a good enough case that this is something that... Um, should be done there. I I, I'm, I know that some might have different opinions well, to let, on that. Let, but let,
0: let me let me come in with a different different opinion. So if it gets done on the Lord's Day or gets done uh, around uh, the communion table, the reality is there's people there that are not family. You know they're visitors they they've come to church or maybe they've been attending for a while but they're not recognized as as sons and daughters of the house as brothers and sisters of the community um is it really appropriate to have what is a family discussion um in the sight of everyone
2: i I know that there will be a differing of opinion to to me on this and that's that's okay I think there might even be a differing of opinion even within our own eldership at bononi bible church we haven't dealt with this topic um, severely enough I think to to really come down to a point but I think if we're looking at the local church as evangelistic as opposed to actually for the believers to train the believers for righteousness and so that they might go and do acts of ministry even outside of the local church um, I think that we might be tempted to not ever do something like this at a public gathering on the Lord's Day. But if we recognize the sovereignty of God and the fact that he might have somebody in that room that is not a believer even, maybe somebody who's not been caught out in the sin that they have done, maybe somebody that's there just observing for the first time, Uh, surely if we're practicing what the Scriptures teach us, that even in itself speaks volumes to the congregation that is gathered so i think uh, but i will leave that at the sensitivity of the local church level and um, yep. it will be part of a local church that will do things a certain way and that they have the right to do that they have the autonomy of the local body which is one of the principles that we would uphold at benoni bible church so so certainly um we might do it a certain way i'm i'm of the Personal persuasion that it should be done at the local church setup when you've reached that point, and that whoever is gathered there actually gets to witness the fact that this is a church that takes Christ seriously, takes sin seriously, and that might be a witness to others. Um, surely another church might not do it that way, and that's also okay.
0: Let, let me let me appeal to scripture, and I'm not trying to change your mind live on air, but let me just offer offer a scripture uh, or in fact I could offer a couple of scriptures but it it would kind of sound like this where do the decisions that your church make take place do the decisions that you make take place on a regular Sunday service do they take place as you celebrate communion around that Sunday service or do they take place in meetings where members are called and the reason why I would put that before you in terms of Where church discipline should happen Is that Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 specifically talks About the church which is the assembly He talks about them Binding on earth what has been bound In heaven loosing on earth what has been Loosed in heaven Um, uh, uh, there, there, is the, there is the The intimation that decision Making is happening here he says Where the two or three are gathered in my name I'm there amongst them and then in 2 corinthians chapter 2 very specifically um it talks about the majority uh, is sufficient for that person and therefore in verse 8 i urge you to reaffirm your love for them it, it sounds as if at this stage and i'm talking about the the third and the fourth step of church discipline at this stage it is a matter of the house it is a it is a matter of the majority and and i wonder if the best place for that to happen would be the Sunday service. Yeah. I, I can hear Teppel so desperately wants to come in here that if I didn't give him the mic, I'd be in trouble. Temple, over to you, brother.
4: Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I do think that the decision is made by the membership, um, which is that second uh, Corinthians uh, portion. But I do think that there's a place of, um, well, not maybe necessarily speaking about a specific name. Um but talking about the issue that needs to be resolved, and talking about like looking at First Corinthians chapter five, that would have been said in a church setting. so there's a particular sin that is known in the church, no names given there's a man who is having his mother's his father's wife um, for himself. And so there's a situation of sin and that's that point that Rocky makes that church um, Has to take sin seriously and somebody sitting in there who might not even be a member Gets to see that Um, obviously with no specific face um, Or or, or Knowledge of who the person is at hand Um, But yes, I think the decision has to be made with all the body members
0: Well, you know guys Honestly, I think on this topic we we could actually talk uh, another entire show, but we we're coming toward the end of our second hour, uh, and so we do need to start to to bring things together. Um, Rocky, I, I want to give you the opportunity just uh, in terms of uh, uh, final thoughts, or possibly uh, very briefly, items that we haven't covered that are important for consideration.
2: Yeah, just a a couple of principles. One of them I touched on is praying for your local church. Um, On that subject, are you part of a local church, dear listener? You know, have you have you come to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ? That would be. I mean, this might have seemed like a very foreign subject to even listen to, but you must have the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior and be born again and mm-hmm. when you are born again you are taken out of this world and you are brought into the ecclesia which is the called out ones the gathered ones the assembled ones who are the church that's what church is um, and it's not a private you know your your salvation is not it doesn't remain private yes you got saved as an individual and you were yourself um born again but it very quickly becomes public that's where you get baptized and you confess the lord jesus christ as your lord and your savior and you identify with him in his death and his resurrection and you do that in a public setting where you as an individual declare i'm i'm with jesus and because i'm with jesus i'm with you brothers and sisters who yourself are with jesus which is the church and you become part of that church and so pray for your local church because just because you don't see church discipline happening that often and maybe your local church does it at a church meeting and you might not have been at the church meeting and another local church does it at the you know on the Lord's Day. Um just because you don't see it happening doesn't mean that it isn't happening. So pray for your local church. Pray for your brothers and sisters that are part of the local church with you. And then secondly that private sin when it when someone has been caught or confesses and, and I want to emphasize that I, I don't believe that sin will always remain in the dark i believe that you'll either get caught in your sin or you're going to confess that sin, and both of those things are god's grace to that individual if you caught praise god that you got caught because god didn't let you just carry on in it and then you ought to be quick to confess and repent of your sin and maybe a listener is is listening who hasn't been caught who's been in sin It's better to actually repent of that sin. You might be scared of doing that, but James says, bring it out into the light, confess it, and you will be healed. So it may be that you're pursuing sin in your life, and something has become more attractive to you than the Lord Jesus, um, then wake up um, to the reality that Jesus is far more worthy of your respect and your honor Mm -hmm. than what that sin is in your life. And so where that sin has been caught out or confessed, then it should be dealt with, um, if that's in a private sense still, it, it, it ought to be dealt with in a private way. I think that's a helpful principle even for local churches it's not yet public knowledge. It's not this public scandal. It's something that somebody's been courting, but it's not a public scandal, and it's something this person's maybe confessed to you in private. Don't make it an issue of of gossip and, you know, deal with it privately according to the Matthew 18 type of a principle. It might be that right there at the personal reproof level of verse 15, this person repents, and you've gained your brother. Praise God for that. You actually start having an even closer relationship with that individual. Um, The listener that, that actually came in said, maybe we have a fear of man that comes in. And indeed, yes, sometimes we're so scared to confront that person. But that often leads to that alienation. Rather confront that individual. Rather have, you'll end up having a better relationship because better are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy, the scriptures teach. Then thirdly, public sin Of the nature that Tsepo touched on 1 Corinthians 5, of a nature where it becomes a scandal and it actually starts damaging the reputation of the local church, that must be dealt with in a public way. And I want to emphasize that because this is where I've seen church discipline done so badly so often. Oftentimes it's a public sin but it gets dealt with in a sweeping under the rug kind of a way and that causes more gossip, more hurt, more dissension, more difficulty. It ought to be dealt with in a public way. Um, because it is of public sin and it's of a public scandalous nature and it must be dealt with there like a first corinthians 5 type of a type of an aspect and then the fourth principle i'd give and this is again emphasizing what mark has touched on and i touched on is that when the transgression is of such a nature where the moral laws that are punishable by the government have been committed for example pedophilia or where there's rape, or where there's something of a nature where there's murder, there's various sins that we can commit, where there's public funneling of cash, and you've been involved in corruption, or whatever it may be, money laundering. These are are aspects that the government then, that person should be handed over so that that consequence can be brought to bear upon that individual. And you'll find that as a Christian, you want to bear the consequence of the things which you have done. I remember one instance, uh, um, a friend and mate at... At seminary uh, before he came to Christ he was involved in a gang that was stealing cars once he came to the Lord Jesus what was one of the first things that he did he went and he confessed his sin to the police in the police station entrusting his life to God and there was a trial there was a case he didn't go to prison he was let off why because he trusted the Lord to vindicate him and he and he was willing to take the consequence of the actions which he had committed even before being a Christian. If there's certain things that you need to go and make right about, that's part of what repentance is. Repentance is making right with God because of what Christ has done for you, but you also go make right with the individuals that you've sinned against. Um, so that would be that principle. And then let me just give you Hebrews 12 verse 5 to 14 which talks about the way that the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves and he chastises the son which he has received. Remember that that's a a loving act of God when church discipline has been played out in a biblical sense.
0: Tepo, my friend, Uh, closing thoughts from your side.
2: Okay,
4: um, so... Firstly, we we get this command from the Lord and every church, every church that professes to be um, centered around the Lord Jesus has to take this seriously. Church discipline is from the Lord. And then secondly, um, I don't think church discipline would happen if a person is not um, discipled. So, for, for instance, We need to be availing ourselves to discipleship relationships and not so much just being discipled from the pulpit. Mm. We need to live accountable lives with one another because, I mean, that's what we are, a body, and we are um, a body fixed to um, one another. So we need to make sure that our lives resemble that that the Lord says we should uh, be resembling. And then also, I think... um, it's It's very important that we also um know how to deal with these steps so as to not wound people um unnecessarily and also just if we don't know we need we need to search the scriptures and know what we should or what our role is in a particular case where discipline should be happening and not gossip because eventually um we will have issues in the church, and yeah, we we need to be guiding ourselves and loving our brothers and sisters um, as 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 we ought to.
0: Excellent tip. Well, thank you so much for your input as well. And maybe from my side, if there's anyone listening uh, that is uh, in leadership at a church and you're thinking through church discipline, let me point you to one or two resources. Uh, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church is a book written by Mark Dever. Excellent place to start um, Thinking about not just church discipline But other marks that really constitute What a healthy church looks like And then second to that There is um, also produced by an organization Called Nine Marks A book called Church Discipline Uh, It is written by Jonathan Lehman Um, Excellent, excellent introductory book Um, To the topic Uh, It can't be more than 120 pages um, And it is very very informative Next week we will be having Lance Lawton Who is the Baptist Northern Association's uh, coordinator On talking about good elders Rarer than hen's teeth Our prayers go out to all the elders and deacons Holding the line in local churches And our missionaries that are serving in foreign fields We also want to remember and pray for and give much respect to our first responders Police and firefighters and paramedics and our correctional service officers Serving our nation with such excellence You've been listening to Table Talk with me your host We will be going straight to news now And so until next week Friday Go with God and get after it